So our reading today is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's on page 1161 of the Pew Bibles if you want to follow it. Present weakness and resurrection life. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is the word of the Lord. Am I on? Yeah? Excellent. Good morning. So today I seem to have ended up with uh, this challenging subject of facing opposition. I'm not sure what I've done to deserve it, but... uh, Let's see where God takes us as we explore this chapter in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Should we just start by praying? Father, as we look to your word and explore it together, would you speak to us? Would you be in our thoughts? Would you be in my words? Amen. Now let me start by asking you a question, or a couple of questions. Do you ever feel like giving up? 
wondering whether all the work you put in is worth it. And does the discouragement and opposition you face in parts of your life make you wonder whether it'd be worth, wonder whether it'd be better to just sit on the sidelines? Do you want to take a couple of minutes to just chat to the person you're sat next to, or sat behind, or whatever, and just chat to them about those couple of questions? Don't all rush at once. Okay, sounds like we've got a bit of a dodgy cable here. Should we come back together? That's brilliant, thank you. I was, the person I was talking to at nine o'clock just said the answer was yes. So. <laughs> now, I know you'd all be very disappointed if I didn't make some reference to the World Cup this morning. We were promised to... You'd have been disappointed, Margaret, if I hadn't said anything. <laughs> we were promised a fiesta of football... Goals galore and the most skillful players in the world playing in Brazil. And that's probably what we've got, unless you happen to be English or Luis Suarez. England, as always, seemed to flatter to deceive once again. They produced a couple of moments of skill, um, but interspersed with many more moments of comedy defending. Now, I wrote most of this talk on Tuesday night, having watched England against Costa Rica which was their last game in the World Cup. And with England already out before the game, Roy Hodgson, the manager, and Stephen Gerrard, the captain, were busy trying to talk up the positives of their early elimination. There were a group of players who probably felt like giving up, just sitting on the sidelines. But they did manage to get themselves back on track for one final game and put in not too bad a performance. Now, as far as anal analogies go, I realise that comparing football to the Apostle Paul isn't that brilliant. But there are some parallels. Paul probably faced more discouragements than anybody will ever meet. Even long-suffering England fans. Yet he kept on preaching, teaching and demonstrating Christ with his life. Until the day he died. How could he do this? Where did he find the strength and motivation to face opposition? In this passage we've just had read to us, he relates to his readers why he does not lose heart. And as we look at this together this morning, let's see what Paul thought about and how he looked at things. And hopefully we can do the, learn to do the same so that we can keep on going in the face of opposition and discouragements. Now as we look at this subject, it'll be very easy to focus on the negatives, to focus on those discouragements, to focus on those difficulties... But as I read this passage this week, I saw Paul focusing on the positives. And I've picked out four to look at, but there's so much in this passage. You could speak for hours. I'm not going to, don't worry. And I'm sure that I'll have missed out something. The first thing I'd like us to look at is that we have already received mercy. The first verse that we read this morning says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Let's look at the mercy we've received through our lives, through our ministry and through our work. Mercy is an attitude of kindness and forgiveness shown where none is expected. And we certainly have no grounds to expect God's mercy. Yet God shows us mercy through Jesus. And this is described magnificently in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And it says this, and this is the message version. It wasn't so long ago, 
that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all, did all this on his own, with no help from us. We can see that our whole life as a Christian is rooted in the mercy that God has shown us as he took those sin-dead lives and made us alive. And I'm sure that many of you have many stories where you've known the mercy of God in your lives. And as we've already received mercy, it doesn't take a huge leap to believe that we can continue to receive that mercy. As Christians, we believe that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. Sometimes we'll experience troubles, just as Paul did, just as Jesus did. But we have a hope that goes beyond those troubles because we know that God cares and watches over us. Now sometimes one of the most discouraging things we face is the seeming ineffectiveness of our efforts, of our service. We won't be so ready to lose heart if we're serving with integrity and we can feel good about doing what's right. Verse 2 to 4 says this, Rather we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we were looking with Mir at the parable of the uh, prodigal son. And as we were discussing in our home group, we were looking at the question of the older son who'd stayed at home. And he's often shown as the son who did the right thing by staying and working for his father. But as we looked at it, we felt that he could have been considered to be working for the wrong reasons? Was he working out of a sense of duty to rather than love for his father? He sort of almost expressed that in the fact when he said he'd been slaving for his father. And it came across as we looked at that passage as though he felt he needed to serve to feel accepted. And I want to be very careful in how I expand on this. I'm not saying that we do what we think is right to make us feel good. But rather, when we serve and act with integrity, with love for the Father, we're much less, less likely to feel discouraged. And Paul also tells us to set forth the truth plainly so that we can commend ourselves to others. We can summarize that as preach the truth with, in, with integrity. And I quite like the quote that's often attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. that goes, preach the gospel, if necessary, use words. The integrity that God is looking for is in the way we live our whole lives, how we are at work, 
how we are with our friends, how we are when we're watching the football, how we are when we're at school, how we are when we're meeting for coffee. It can be discouraging when we try to fit in with those around us. But God doesn't call us to fit in with the world. We're not trying to manipulate people or trick them. We're simply trying to present the gospel in word and deed. And this part also talks about the fact that the truth is veiled to the perishing. We are not ineffective failures if we think that the words we are speaking fall on deaf ears. And I think I've told you the story before about a friend that I spoke to, had a conversation with quite a long time ago now, and five years later, he came back to me and told me about how those words had meant so much to him. A conversation that I'd forgotten all about. The word of God will accomplish its purpose. If we are to stay positive when faced with opposition, we need to keep Christ in our message, keep Christ in our character, and ensure that Christ is exhibited in our lives. And thirdly, we can not only gain courage to continue as we face opposition, but we can actually rejoice, rejoice in those struggles if we're able to see and realize that it's Christ's life at work within us. And Paul talks about th- these uh, fragile clay pots that, he put, that God has put incredibly valuable treasures in. And what's Paul getting at with this? Those jars of clay refer to people, frail humans such as you and I. And the treasure that's within them is defined as the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. What an amazing thing to place within us. And you begin to understand how we are fragile continues, containers when we look at some of the struggles we face. We are hard-pressed on every side. We sometimes think, what more can go wrong? There are so many things that can affect us. Losing a job, aches and pains, breakdown of relationships, seriously ill family members, bereavement. I could go on. You can sometimes feel that one disaster follows another, much like Job in the Old Testament. But we are not crushed, because as Paul tells us in his letter to the Romans, We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. We can also become perplexed as as all we can see are dead ends. There's no way to go. There are no answers that we can see, and we just end up being confused. I'm not sure how many of you are fans of Indiana Jones films. I love them. But there are moments in that series of films when Harrison Ford's character sits there with his jaw hanging, eyes bulging, wondering how on earth he's going to get out of the mess he's in. For him, it normally involves a runaway mine train, a hair-raising ride, emerging from a cliff edge into a waterfall and then through rapids before one of his friends plucks him out of the danger. And sometimes our journey with God doesn't seem to be very much different to that. Hazel Said this morning, gave this testimony this morning about uh, the time when she fell and how that affected her. And at nine o'clock, she described it as someone described it to her as they saw one hand striking her down and a stronger hand breaking her fall. Paul again reminds us that though we are perplexed by the situations we find ourselves in, we are not in despair 
because we know that God is working it out somehow. The ride may be bumpy at times, but there's always someone alongside us to hang on to. We may feel as though we're being persecuted, as though we are one against thousands and wondering who else will turn against us. But we are not abandoned by God, ever. And we can look at the words that uh, God gave Joshua as as he began his leadership with the Israelites. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. At just the right time, a way out of the seemingly desperate situation appears. I'm sure you've all got stories of God's provision in many different ways. Whether it's a friend ringing you just when you need to speak to someone. Or an offer of a job when things are about to get really desperate. Or a check through the door that is just enough to pay the electricity bill. God always comes through and he does provide the victory. And finally, when we do get down and discouraged by our position, perhaps that's the time to focus on the future. As Paul says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. As Christians, we have a hope that goes far beyond any earthly hope. We have something eternal that will never wither or die. And the Bible is packed full of stories of hope and reasons that we can be hopeful. Again, when Paul wrote to the Romans, he said, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's our focus. That's our hope as we face struggles, as we face opposition. Remember, it's the unseen that is important. If you're feeling discouraged, Stop looking at the things you can see with your own eyes and start looking at the things you can only see with your heart. See the power of God at work in your life and lean on his power to keep going. For those of you who may not be feeling discouraged or as though you're facing opposition at the moment, our responsibility is to draw alongside those who are in that place and support and encourage them and help them to fix their eyes on the unseen hope that we all have as Christians. Now I'm aware that I've really only skimmed the surface of this subject and there are many people who've had to face much harder opposition than I may ever have to. But I hope that the things that I have said don't come across as oversimplification of what can be incredibly difficult situations. My prayer is that we never have to face any opposition on our own. We will always have God by our side and as we become the community of disciples that God is calling us to be, we will always have each other as well. Amen.